You're listening to episode 49 of the Journey to Launch podcast, bravely tackling your finances with Cara Perez, how she paid off $25,000 in loans on a salary of less than $30,000. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm Jamila Souffrant. For those of you who are new listeners, I am here to bring you wonderful conversations, inspiration, and education on how you can reach financial goals, specifically how you can reach financial independence. Today, I have on someone very special. You know, I always say everyone's very special. I'm always excited about every guest because I really take time to curate who I bring on the podcast to talk to you guys. And I think you'll be happy with this guest too. Her name is Cara Perez from Bravely go. Kara has a really great relatable story. So you know how we talk about paying off debt and, you know, getting to your dreams and all these things, right? Well, Kara has a unique story, or maybe I should say a relatable story in the sense that Kara was able to pay off $25,000 of loans on a salary less than $30,000. And we'll go through exactly how she did that in the episode. That, I think, is relatable to a lot of people who are not high-income earners, right? Like, how do you get ahead of your debt? Kara was able to do that. Kara is a freelance writer and founder of Bravely, a financial literacy event company in Austin, Texas. She founded Bravely to create a space where women can come together and build community in the world of finance. And she does an amazing job of just highlighting her story and then relating it to other women. And men, don't worry, you'll get a lot from this too if you stick around and listen. In addition to being able to pay off $25,000 of loans on a $30,000 salary, we are going to talk about just her background in general, why she's so committed in particular to helping women and their finances, and some really cool things like she came up with the 10 financial commandments that all women should live by. And so we'll go through some of those commandments and just evaluating your purchases. Like how can you do value-based spending in your normal day-to-day life? Plus so much more. Before we hop into this conversation with Kara, just wanted to say, if you are enjoying the podcast, as I usually say, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you listen to this in Apple Podcast. At the end, I will be reading a review from the Apple Podcast app. Again, it takes a few minutes and I really appreciate all the reviews. If you don't listen to an Apple podcast, totally fine. Continue sharing this no matter where you listen with your family and friends. Let's keep this fire going. Spread the word. If you want the episode show notes for this particular episode, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 49. You can also follow me on social media as journey to launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come on over and join the Facebook community. If you type in journeytolaunch.com slash community, it will redirect you to the Facebook group where you meet a bunch of cool journeyers who are also on the path and you can connect, ask questions, connect with me some more. It's really amazing. 
Okay, so let's hop into this conversation with Kara. Hey, Journeyers. I'm so excited to have today's guest, Kara Perez, on the podcast. Hi, Kara. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good. And I'm excited to talk to you because your perspective, I believe, is one that a lot of my listeners can relate to because you paid off a lot of loans and debt on a salary that's not that high, less than $30,000. And the reason why I want to have you on, other than to talk about how you did that, and then your just overall background and your expertise in the personal finance field, is just because I feel like a lot of people come from the perspective of you have to make a lot of money, which I do advocate for if you can, but that's not always possible, right? So can you just tell listeners a little bit about who you are and this amazing debt story you have? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When I started in college, that's where my journey really (laughs) begins. I grew up in a single parent household and I knew that when I went to college, I was going to have to take out student loans to pay for it. So I did. I took out a little over $25,000 and then I graduated in 2011. I have a degree in English, so no financial background. And it was a terrible job market. (laughs) No one wanted me and my English degree. And I spent the first three years out of college working in the service industry, waiting tables and working in the catering industry. And so you don't make a lot of money as a waitress or as a caterer. I started at $12 an hour as a caterer and as a waitress, obviously just tips. And I knew that I wanted to pay off my debt from day one of graduation, but I didn't know how. I mean, I moved from the East Coast to Austin, Texas, which is where I'm based. So I saved up some money to do that. And I always paid my minimums and sometimes a little more, you know, $30 towards this loan and extra $30 to that loan. But I wasn't really seeing a lot of headway. And so when I was 26, I just realized, holy crap, Like I have all this debt. I'm not making very much money. I'm living a life I don't actually really want to live. I am not writing. I'm not being creative in any way. I'm not moving forward down a career path. I'm anxious. I'm sad. And I'm broke. <laughs> so I Googled how to pay off student loans faster and fell into the world of personal finance blogs. I came across a lot of those news articles, you know, you see on MSNBC and CNN, a couple retires early, a couple buys house in cash, a couple pays off $200,000 in debt. It's usually a couple. (laughs) And I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? If these people can do it, I can do it. I found it very inspirational. And then I found blogs like Frugal Woods and Dear Debt and Club Thrifty And was like, oh, yeah, okay, these people are talking about it in a more broken down way. So when I was 26 and doing all this reading (laughs) online at the time, I was working, like I said, as a caterer for $12 an hour and as a receptionist at an MMA gym for $9 an hour. And I had months where I was only making like $800, $900 a month. So I knew first things first, I had to make more money, but I still was sending out job applications and not getting anywhere. So I picked up a bunch of part-time jobs. So from 2011 to 2016, you graduated in 2011? Yes. Okay. So you had your English degree, but you never did anything with the English degree. You did these jobs. So waitressing and then a secretary at the MMA gym for those five years about on and off. For about three years. This is 2014. Oh, 2014. Okay. So you did that for three years. 
and you realized you wanted to make more of a headway in your debt, your student loan debt. Was that your only debt at the time? That was my only debt at the time. I had a little bit of credit card debt my senior year of college because I had an internship the summer before that didn't really pay anything. And so I basically lived off my credit card, but I'd paid all of that off. Okay. And so now you realize you're not happy. You don't like this debt. You start Googling resources, you find some, and then you said, okay, I really need to make a change. All right. So let's jump back into your story. Yeah. And I'm definitely a person of extremes. I really like pushing myself and I really like a challenge. I'm definitely a goal setter. And so once I kind of crystallized, okay, I want to pay off my debt. At the time I had $18,000 left in student loan debt. And in 2014, I made $18,000 all year. (laughs) So $18,000, it's a number that has significance in my life. But 10 months from Googling how to pay off student loans faster, 10 months after that, I had paid off all of my debt. And I did that from working five part-time jobs, often seven days a week, and being really frugal and shoveling as much money as I could towards my debt. Oh my goodness. So five part-time jobs, seven days a week. Now, were you living on your own at this point or did you have roommates? I lived in a house with three roommates. Um, and so my rent was like five fifty, five sixty a month, depending on electric utilities, stuff like that. I had a boyfriend. We didn't live together, but I sat him down and was like, no more date nights out. <laughs> like we're about to Netflix and chill hard. <laughs> And I was just really totally dedicated to it because it was really easy to do. I was at a point that I was really unhappy and I saw that this is a way to change my life. And I thought, well, why wouldn't I go all in on this? Right. And I can't imagine that you didn't get much sleep in those days. Yeah, it was definitely hard. I was doing things like for catering, you often work Friday and Saturday nights until 1 or 2 a.m., And then I'd wake up and one of my other jobs was coaching high school lacrosse and I'd have to go coach lacrosse games at 11 (laughs) a.m. And it was just a lot, a back-to-back schedule for sure. Okay, so let's run down your part-time jobs because I'm sure some people are very curious what that is. You mentioned a couple of them, but what's all of them? Yeah, so receptionist and caterer, coach, which was also seasonal. I didn't coach all those 10 months freelance, social media worker for hire, freelance writing as well. But at the time I was making like $10 an article. So it wasn't a ton of money. And then the last job, I worked as a fundraiser for a nonprofit in town part-time. I know you said that you wanted to do something more, you were unhappy, but there are so many people who are unhappy in their current situations, but they wouldn't get up and have five jobs and not sleep right? Like they would say, you know, I need to sleep or it's not pushing them to this level of action. What made it so different for you that you said, I'm willing to sacrifice sleep. I'm willing to do this work to get out of this debt. I felt real fear. (laughs) I mean, I was really, really afraid of where my life was headed. I had such high hopes graduating from college. I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wanted to go to Hollywood and write the next Casablanca and win my Oscar. And I was like, oh man, I'm a 26 year old caterer who's broke. And this is not what I want. And it became very clear to me that no one was going to ride in on a white horse and save me. I needed to save myself. I needed to create change in my own life so that I could live the life I really wanted. And that 
like I said, it just kind of crystallized for me. That was enough for me to motivate myself. And you hear people say this, you hit rock bottom and that's when you can really begin to build yourself up. And that's kind of where I was. I mean, I was really anxious and I was really depressed and I used to go to therapy. I paid $10 to talk to a therapist (laughs) once a week and would just sob (laughs) and be like, I hate myself. I hate my life. And I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to move. So I did everything in my power to move. I find that that breaking point or when you get that fed up is really the motivating factor because I've actually, I listened to an interview recently with this man named John Morrow or Morrow. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I mean, he's paralyzed everywhere, but his face at this point. And he talked about how to make significant changes, even when you feel small. And one of them was the fact that the alternative or what happens if you don't make the changes is much worse of a fate than the current situation you're in that you have no choice but to do something different. And I mean, I relate to that too in my current situation of wanting to find financial independence and freedom because the thought of myself working in corporate America, doing this for the rest of my life, I'd rather put in the sweat, I'd rather put in the work now. That reality that might happen if I don't do the work is frightening to me. So I do believe that a lot of people, once they get to that point where they realize that the alternative of not changing or not doing what needs to be done to get to their goals is just too frightening. It's going to make you act. It's going to make you change something. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think about that quote, if you don't build your dream, someone will hire you to build theirs. And I wasn't at the time thinking I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to pursue being an entrepreneur. But I knew, again, no one's going to come in and save me. I have to save myself. I have to build my own future. And from that came everything else. Mm, Right. So how old were you at this time that you started to aggressively pay down your debt? 26. And I'm 29 now. Okay. So you were 26, aggressively paying down your debt. In 10 months, you said you did that, right? Yeah, $18,000 in 10 months. Wow. So if I were to quickly do the math on that, so you really every additional check you got went straight to student loans. Yes, I lived on a little less than $11,000 that year. And I made just under $33,000. It was like thirty two seven or something in part of 2014 and 2015. So it was the summer. It was like June 2014, had my meltdown, <laughs> had my quarter life crisis. September 2014, started to pay off the debt. And then June 2015, it was like two days into June. I was just waiting for my final check to hit the bank account. (laughs) I paid off my last $2,000 in student loans. So in those 10 months, paid off $18,000. And in the year, January to December of 2015, I guess I made like 32 grand. I could look up my tax returns. (laughs) No, it's fine. I think some things to note out is that you're living more in a low cost of living area probably than maybe some people listening or like me living in New York. And then you were single without kids. So that's obviously helpful. But that doesn't mean that people who are in high cost of living areas or with kids can't take certain things or some things from your story because it is possible. Now, you mentioned you had roommates, you saw you house hacked, which obviously helps because housing is like the biggest expense in most people's budget, right? Mm -hmm. Then obviously, 
increasing your income as much as possible helped? Yes, definitely. That was critical. And then you said you were frugal for the most part. So you didn't really spend on things that you didn't need. Yeah. And I, like anywhere that I could be frugal, I was frugal. I remember I had this pair of Forever 21 leggings that ripped along a seam. And I was like, I'm not going to spend $6 to get new leggings. I'm going to sew this hole back up (laughs) and keep wearing my already kind of crappy Forever 21 leggings. I walked, I biked, I was really, really adamant about keeping our utilities low. Like I would fall around my roommates and like turn off lights. (laughs) I told everybody in my life too, I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. And I need your help and support. And everyone was so awesome. My roommates were totally on board. My friends and family, my boyfriend was great. And so I had a really supportive community, which I think is irreplaceable. Right. That's certainly helpful. Now, did they start also changing their habits once they saw what you were doing? Well, interestingly enough, all three of my roommates did not have any debt of any kind. So they were already a little better off than I was. My boyfriend did and still has some student loan debt, but he didn't change any of his tactics at the time. He has since become more aggressive about his debt payoff. But yeah, debt is so common, right? Debt of any kind, whether it's student loan debt or medical debt or credit card debt, most people have some sort of debt. And most of us don't want to look at it because it's embarrassing or shameful, or we just are stressed out by it. But I was like, I'm looking at this, I'm doing it. And I think that gave permission to my friends to start talking about money. Because all of a sudden, I was having way more conversations with them about oh yeah, you know, I have student loan debt too, Kara. Like, how are you kind of attacking this? Or, well, how are you avoiding going into credit card debt when you're trying to be so frugal and all of these things? People started coming to me as a resource and I realized, yeah, we need to talk about money because it's making my life better and it's deepening the relationships I'm having with people. And you use your experience in paying off debt. I mean, in this time, that is that when you started your site, bravelygo.co? Actually, I started another website and chronicled my debt payoff journey and things I was doing and I would write about catering or whatever. And then after I paid that off, I realized I don't want to just write about frugal living. That felt too much of a pigeonhole. And I had started writing more for other companies and really working as a freelance writer and going to events and introducing myself as, yeah, I'm Kara. I'm a personal finance writer, which is a conversation starter. Because again, most people don't (laughs) talk about money. And so when you say, I work in money, people will be like, oh, I need your help, or I need to talk to you, or I'm in so much debt, I'm going to be in debt till I die. Like very casually, people would say these things. And then I would say, oh, well, you know, here's kind of how I got into it. And here are a couple of debt payoff tips, or here's how I did it. And I realized, okay, I want to Rather than just write about frugal living on this old blog, I'm going to create a new website. I'm going to hold events. I'm going to build a business around financial literacy. And so that's how Bravely kind of came to be. Right. And now you're using it as a platform to help other people, like you said, because there's everyone struggles or has questions or can relate to ideas and topics in personal finance. So your site now is what you're using to have that platform to reach others. Yeah. So the website... It's got some resources on it. It's got blog posts and guest posts from people on different topics. And then I do live events here in Austin built around different financial topics. So we did one last September that was around freelance finances. And we talked about quarterly taxes and 
how to hire an accountant, how to set your rates as a freelancer. We did one last year. It was about how to find startup capital for your business and how to start a business and the forms you should be following. And should I be an LLC? Should I be a sole proprietor? What is that going to look like for my money? So it can really cover a lot of topics with Bravely. Right. And I love how as your journey advanced, now you're talking about different things. So in the beginning, you were chronicling getting out of debt. So you talked a lot about that. And now because you have created additional source of income for yourself with your blog and with your events, you're able to now talk more to entrepreneurship and helping other people who want to leverage that as a driving force to their income. So I think that's really good. Thank you. I love it. I'm so into it. (laughs) But you like talking to women specifically, right? Your blog, your message is for women. Why is that? Why are you so passionate about helping women? I think I came out of the womb passionate about helping women. (laughs) (laughs) I've always really, frankly, identified as a feminist. And I have always felt that women have more hurdles to get over than men. And so when I had this financial epiphany, a lot of the people I was talking to who were saying they were struggling with money or they were ashamed of money or they were, I'm air quoting, bad at money. It was women saying these things. Very rarely did a dude come up to me and be like, yeah, I'm not good at money. (laughs) And when you think about it, yeah, women make less money than men. Our products are more expensive. There's something called the pink tax where women's razors, for example, will be 75 cents more than men's razors. And you multiply that by enough things and all of a sudden women are paying more just to exist. And I thought the community that needs the most help is women. I'm a woman. I can speak to my own experiences with these things. I can help my fellow women. Why wouldn't I do it that way? Again, it was kind of this crystal moment of, of course. I'm going to do financial literacy for women. That's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Right. And you actually have a blog post I really like on your site called the 10 financial commandments all women should live by. And you had 10 commandments and I really liked a few of them. So I wanted to go through a bit of them because I think it would really help my listeners. One of them was always negotiate your pay. Can you talk about that? Yes. So women are socialized to be people pleasers. We are taught not to ask for too much because we want everyone around us to always be happy and we don't want to be seen as greedy or rude or, heaven forbid, bossy. But that hurts us. Men negotiate. If someone offers you $60,000, men are more likely to push for sixty-five, And women will say, oh, 60 is great. Thanks. So we should always negotiate. Women live longer than men, so we need more money to sustain us later in our lives. And again, our lives are more expensive in many ways. And so you always, always need to be asking for more. And I totally agree with that. Okay, so one of the other ones was talk about money with friends, peers, and loved ones. Why is that so important? This is so important to me. And I put it in here as a commandment because, again, it was to my own experience. When I started talking about money on a regular basis, it was like the floodgates had opened. (laughs) And I really got to know a lot of people in my life in much better, deeper ways. And when we talk about money, whether it's with your partner trying to figure out who's going to pay rent or how you're going to handle finances in the household, or it's with a group of girlfriends when you go out to drink and you say, who here is making more than 70 grand, you know, or who here has negotiated? You help everyone because money is so taboo and people don't want to talk about it. So if we can break that taboo down, 
we help everyone. We can earn more. We can feel more comfortable. We can learn from each other. I can't tell you how many times I've said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, well, I followed the debt snowball. And people be like, um, excuse me, what is the debt snowball? And then I'll tell them, they're like, that's a genius way to pay off my debt. Of course. I didn't know that. But of course you didn't know that. No one talks about it. So I think it's crucial that we talk about it so we can all learn and be better. Right. And it really flows into the first commandment we talked about, the negotiate your pay, because unless you understand what your peers are making, and it doesn't have to be just a woman to woman conversation, like you said, it can be romantic relationships. It can be your peers who are of the opposite sex, because I think it's really important to understand what your male counterparts are making so you can ask or compare and ask for more. But yeah, all that transparency is super important. The other one you have in there is called you shall invest in your skills and knowledge as you invest in the stock market. I love this one. So can you talk about it a bit? Yeah. So when you're feeling like you're plateauing, whether it's in work or money, that's a sign that you need to level up essentially. So maybe you need to take a class to learn a new skill. Maybe you need to start a side project. Maybe you need to ask for a raise. But you need to invest in yourself and say, I'm worth it so that you can get to that next level. If you don't take the time to learn new skills or to challenge yourself to get better, no one else is going to do that. So it all boils down to you investing in yourself as well as, of course, investing in the stock market. (laughs) And you know why I like this? Because so much of what we talk about in personal finance is the saving and investing and cutting back. And so sometimes when you make that switch into, okay, so now it's time to possibly look into buying a class or a course or getting help in this area, it might seem counterintuitive for some people when it's really not because you would go out and you would buy stock or you'd invest in index funds and in the market, as you said, but you are your greatest asset. We are our greatest asset and our knowledge, our skills are really what makes us stand out, not only in the marketplace, but gives us just better life skills to better deal with things. Yes, while it's important, save, invest in the markets, invest in yourself, especially if it's going to yield you a return. And most times it will yield you a better return than if you did nothing and spent nothing on yourself. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Okay, so the next one I wanted to talk about was save without judgment. Talk about that. What does that mean? So I feel like so many people, especially people who have debt or who are lower income, they hear stories of, you know, we saved a million dollars and retired at 30 or this person has $10,000 and $10,000 when you have $0 is a lot of money. (laughs) That's a huge number. But anything that you can save is good. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a certain number. It doesn't have to be a number that you've heard somebody else say. If you can save $20 a month, that's awesome. If you can save $100, even better. But all of it is good. Dave Ramsey says you should have $1,000 as your mini emergency fund. If you have 500 bucks as a mini emergency fund, awesome. That's going to keep you $500 out of credit card debt, you know? So save without judgment. Don't try to mimic somebody else. Do what you can and celebrate what you do. Right. You use that more for inspiration maybe or just knowing that it can be done. But it's all relative, like you said, to what you currently bring in your situation. Yeah, exactly. And the other one I really like that you talked about was 
allow no profit off self-hatred. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, this one's near and dear to my heart because everywhere we turn, we as women are being told, you're not skinny enough, you're not pretty enough, buy this thing, buy this weight loss product, buy this new concealer, buy this new hair product. We're constantly being told we are not enough, but if we spend this money, we can get to be enough. And that will bankrupt you. (laughs) I mean, how many stories have you read or how many conversations have you had with people, women specifically, where they say, oh, I spent $500 on makeup and we're chasing this ideal that somebody else has set for us. And really what that is, it's you're being conditioned to dislike yourself. And now that's not to say that you can't take care of yourself and that manicures make you shallow or petty. And it's not to say that you shouldn't look your best, especially if you work a high powered traditional career. Like if you're on Wall Street, you have to dress a certain way. Absolutely. But when you're making these purchases, it should be out of a, I want to look good because I want people to take me seriously, not out of a, I'm trying to change who I am because I fundamentally believe I'm not worth it. So while I think it's great if you want to spend that money on yourself, if you really, really like it, try to make these choices from a place of self-love rather than a place of self-hatred. Right. Be intentional and understand why you're purchasing or why you want something. It's the same thing when I see people into luxury items, which again, there's nothing wrong with being into luxury items. But if you really were to dig deep into why they want the luxury item, it's because what it means to other people, not really what it means to themselves. Or maybe it is meaning more self-worth because they have the luxury item and other people see them more valuable in their eyes. And so it's just like, it's totally fine if you want to buy a nice car and a nice bag. And like you said, spend money on shoes and clothes. Totally fine. As long as you know why you're doing it, it's because you truly like or value the product, not because you're trying to replace something that's missing or impress someone else. It's just really important to be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You talk about that a bit. I mean, I talk about it a bit in my content too, is that it's okay to spend money. So being frugal at one point really allowed you to pay off debt on a low income. But you talk about a lot in your stuff that it's okay to have value-based spending, right? To, to spend on things you care about. So talk about that. Yeah. I mean, this is a great example. I don't like going out to eat. I've got to be the only person in the world who doesn't care about restaurants. But <laughs> <laughs> They stress me out. I think it's like PTSD from waiting tables for so long. (laughs) So when friends or when my boyfriend are like, oh, do you want to go out to eat? Like, no, I don't really. That's not a good place for me to spend my money because I'm not going to enjoy it. But if you're someone who, like you, you know, you're married, you've got kids. If your husband says, I want to go out to dinner, just the two of us. Well, that's so much more than just a meal. That's time alone for the two of you to be together. It's time away from the kids. You get to be an adult. You get to leave the house. It's a special time. No dishes to wash. Yeah. (laughs) No no dishes to wash. Exactly. You can order whatever you want. That's a value. And I think you should absolutely spend on that. I do not advocate for just cutting out everything you enjoy. But I do advocate for cutting out the things you don't enjoy. So for me, cutting out, going out to eat, gave me more money and it gave me more joy in my life because I wasn't stressed in the restaurant. But like something that I love and a lot of people love is travel. So I save really aggressively for travel. And this summer, summer 2018, I'm going to take two months and travel because that's really important to me. And I'm going to go see friends and family that I haven't seen for a while. 
So I give up going out to eat, which I don't like anyway, so that I can spend more time and money on travel, which I really, really love. So that's values-based spending. And everyone's values are different. So if you do really value having a killer wardrobe because you love fashion and you love expressing yourself through how you dress, yeah, fill that closet up. That's great. But, you know, maybe you don't have cable and you don't have Netflix because you don't care about watching TV. And so you save in that area. So that's what values-based spending is. Right. And I think what happens for a lot of people is they want every single thing. And they say to themselves, like, why can't I have everything? I want to watch TV. I want to buy nice clothes. I want to drive a nice car. I want to do everything that the world supposedly has to offer. And again, there's nothing wrong with that if your income can support that and you can reach your savings goals. But if you're coming up short on saving and investing and you're still in debt, then realistically, you can't have everything. And it's not that one day you might not be able to have more. But if you really want to get ahead with your finances, you just have to be smart about, okay, what can I give up now? What can I keep because it's important to me so that I can still reach my goals, but still be happy in the meantime? Yeah, absolutely. And something else I like to tell people is you can try giving something up. And if your life really stinks without it, incorporate it back in. But push yourself a little bit. See what it's like to not rely on Uber rides for a month and just drive your own car or bike places. Just see how that feels. And try to say no to something so that you can say yes to something else. I just feel really strongly that you should be playing around with your budget and your numbers because if you do want to say yes to debt payoff, for example, well then, yeah, you're going to have to say no to a few nights out or you're going to have to say yes to making more money and taking time away from the couch so you can earn more. It's a constant balancing act until you find the lane that feels most comfortable to you. And then once you're in the lane, it's just keep on keeping on, you know? <laughs> right. Okay, so that kind of leads us to where are you now? So you have no debt and you're working towards what? Are you working towards financial independence or what's going on in Kara's world? Man, yeah, so many things. Long term, I am working towards financial independence. I think I'm on a 12-year track right now. Right now for 2018, I've got a goal. I want to out-earn my boyfriend, which I've never been able to do. (laughs) That's a personal goal for me. I'm hosting events with Bravely. I've got some really exciting speaking gigs coming up. So growing the brand is really important to me. And personal finances wise, traveling, like I said, I've got those two months of travel on the schedule. And so that's something I'm really excited for. And I'm working towards right now, both in terms of saving and planning. (laughs) I need to do a lot of planning for it. So right now, Bravely Go is your full time job or just the speaking engagements and things like that? It is, and it isn't my full-time job. (laughs) I spend a lot of time on it, but I actually make most of my money through freelance writing. And that happens in the personal finance space, so it feels like it overlaps. But I do have an intern. I pay an intern, so Bravely pays her. Doesn't pay me just yet. (laughs) Got it, got it. Okay, so this is awesome. Thank you for sharing your story and some wonderful tips that I'm sure my journeyers can apply to their lives. But where can everyone find you? You also have a podcast. So talk a little bit about that when they want to reach and just find out more about who you are. Yeah. So you can definitely find me on the World Wide Web at bravelygo.co. It's not .com. I couldn't get that one. It was too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter, I am at bravelygo. And Instagram, which is my favorite platform, is at webravelygo. 
And then, yes, I have a podcast. It's called The Fair Sense, which is C-E-N-T-S. And we talk all things women and money. I have a podcast partner, Tanya, who is another personal finance blogger. And that's awesome and super fun. We just wrapped up season one last month in January. And then season two is forthcoming. We are working on that one (laughs) behind the scenes right now. All right. Well, I will have links to everything in the show notes so people can look you up. And thanks, Kara, so much again for coming on and sharing all your wonderful knowledge. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kara. As she mentioned, she has her own site, bravelygo.co, and she's also the co-creator of the Fairer Sense podcast. So actually, her co-host, Tanya Hester, I'll have on, and Tanya's from Our Next Life. I'll be interviewing her in a few episodes, and that's going to be a really good one, too. So go check all the links out that she mentioned, and for other links and where you can find her and more information, go to the episode show notes over at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 49. Once again, if you want to connect with me, follow me on social media, that's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at journey to launch. There you can connect, tell me what you liked about the episode, give me some episode topics. So if there's something you want to hear, a topic you want me to explore, maybe you have a question. You have a question that you want some advice on, a personal finance question, and you, or just a general question that you want me to answer. I think I'm going to do a Q&A episode pretty soon. So if you want me to answer that, just send an email to jamila at journeytolaunch.com or you can actually leave me a voicemail. So I actually have a voicemail if you guys didn't know. You can Go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail. And from there, you'll be able to record your voice note and you might hear it on the podcast, your question. Now I'm going to read a review from Apple Podcast. And this one is from Meg1392. Meg says, wow, I've had this podcast downloaded for a couple months now and I just started listening to it on Tuesday. I'm already 10 episodes in and it is absolutely life changing. I've never been so motivated to learn all about the different facets of my finances as I'm listening to this podcast. Seriously, a must listen for anyone and everyone. I've been Googling and learning all week and I'm excited to keep learning more every week. Thank you for the amazing content. Thanks so much, Meg1392. Really appreciate that. And I really appreciate all of you listeners, all of my journey is you. You make this a success. You drive me to continue to give you great content, great episodes, and there's so much more in store. When I think about how far I've come um, in less than a year that I launched the podcast, I'm excited because I know there's so much more to go and I'm improving with every episode. And so I have so much more things, cool things in store for you guys and I can't wait for it. One of the things that I've been talking about is my membership program, which I've been working on. And I must admit, so I had my baby, I had Blake the beginning of May, and it's really only been like five weeks since he's been here. And I have really been taking it easy. I've been trying to take it easy. And so I've been working, but this membership is really, really like something I'm so excited about because I really do feel like it's going to be such a benefit to the community because I get asked so many questions for more content, for deep dives into certain topics and connection more with me. And I know that this will answer and solve some of those questions and problems. Like it will really, really just bring us together 
in a community-based fashion, learning together. You'll be learning and getting expert interviews and expert topics and just deep dive classes on whatever subjects that you're interested in. So stay tuned for more membership information if you want to get on the list so you don't miss when the membership opens. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash membership. And until then, until the next time we speak, which is next week, Wednesday, (laughs) keep on journeying journeyers. Bye.